Up next is Point and Click Radio. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Point and Click Radio. I'm Bob Lawton. And I'm Jim Hyde. And we are here for our bi-weekly adventure into the digital domain. This is the bi-weekly computer show here on KZYX, the place where we bring you the latest computer and internet news and to answer your questions. And we're focused on doing both of those things tonight. Right. And it seems like there's a little less of the usual internet news. Apple hasn't dropped anything this week. I don't even think they dropped anything last week, did they? I don't think so. But two weeks ago on a Tuesday, I believe it was, the day before we did the last show, they dropped all kinds of stuff. They dropped yeah, new iMacs, new iPads. IMAX in six or seven colors, whatever. That's right. Yeah, indeed. And a new, and a new purple iPhone. A new purple iPhone and a new Apple TV, which we'll talk about briefly tonight. That's something we didn't talk about right. um, in the uh, in the show two weeks ago. And AirTags also? Was that AirTags? And AirTags are another, the other little coin-sized tags that you can attach to your keychain or your luggage or your dog and use the find my app on your phone or your ipad to find any of those things should they go missing yeah um you said i i air tags and it reminded me um there's a couple other instances also where um there must be a lot of out of work lawyers because it's become a major industry <laughs> suing apple as soon I don't as i think they're out of work <laughs> you know <laughs> I think they're well employed. <laughs> I don't know. A lot know. of tech lawsuits going on. Wow. There. But I mean, it's just crazy. You know, if Apple turns right, they get sued for turning right. If they turn left, they get sued for turning left. And Apple's not perfect. No company is perfect. You know, and the, the decisions they have to make as corporate capitalists, of course, are going to step on somebody. You know, that seems to be just whatever happens. You know, Walmart comes in and they step on all the local little businesses. They're not going to sue Walmart. They don't have the power to do it. But a tech company. Well, that comparison is a little bit different because it Apple is. is stacking the deck in its favor in a lot of ways in terms of what can go in its Apple and the App Store. Um, well, that's not the case with the AirTags. They got sued by the yes, company. Yes, no, that's true. What was the company's name? Tag? Tile. Tile. A, a, Tile, a company Tile. that makes has been making a little... Um, sort of coin-sized device that, um, like the AirTags, allows you to attach it to things and yeah. hopefully find them if you lose them. And when Apple introduced AirTags a couple of weeks ago, the company sued Tile, that is, sued Apple, um, alleging that Apple was stacking the deck in its favor by taking advantage of features in the iPhones and iPads and the operating systems that companies other than Apple, don't have access to. Right, but as a preemptory, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, They, like the day before they announced them or, or shortly before, they opened up that Find My app, which is what use, is used to trace your AirTags, your new AirTags, yeah. to third parties to use for the same thing. I mean, there's bicycles with finders in them and you know watches with finders in them and uh, other competitors to tile that... Um, are going to be compatible. So I don't know why Tile just... Oh, I think Tile's position is they had set up their own platform with their own network, with their own app, with their own system. Exactly. And Apple yeah. is kind of crushing that. Exactly. And, and if saying... Used, if, you, if, they, if they played strictly by the new guidelines that Apple laid out, um, they wouldn't be... They would 
basically have to say goodbye to the entire network that they'd built. And and the product people, the, the earlier products people had bought too. They, they wouldn't too. they wouldn't yeah. be doorstops because they're not big enough. But maybe dollhouse doorstops. <laughs> and also, I think the um, the find my feature that Apple opened up to third parties still doesn't give developers access to that near field chip right. that the newest iPhones and iPads have yes. and that supposedly um, is uh, makes the air tags a lot more accurate right so yeah there are a bunch of su uh, lawsuits against Apple that um, obviously the courts ultimately will decide what kind of merit they have but they all kind of boil down to um, <clears throat> the allegations that Apple is stacking the deck in its favor at, at the expense of uh, third-party developers or, or third-party companies which back in the day you used people used to call that monopolies and that is of course one of the big accusations that not only Apple but a lot of big tech tech companies um, particularly the likes of Google and Facebook, which is very much in the news today, um, are being uh, uh, heavily scrutinized by regulators, um, both in this country and in Europe. Yes, that's true. And this goes all the way back to uh, Ma Bell. Ma Bell was certainly a monopoly. I mean, what could be more monopolistic than Ma Bell? I remember there were areas uh, uh, that used to be... Um, served by i guess you'd call them third party or or local telephone companies there was yeah. general telephone in addition and so forth and that was considered to be quote unquote competition but not not to the extent that uh bell telephone was able to have research labs and come up with innovations no, and, right. and, and you they know were often in funky rural areas you know my grandmother lived in a little coal mining town in western pennsylvania yeah and when you pick up the phone the dial tone was kind of a little kind of a weird <laughs> it, was like, it was it was a dial tone not heard in uh <laughs> in, in, in the civilized world yes in the more developed parts of the country more developed yeah so there there could be uh, some parallels to that and bell got broken up into the the baby bells they call them and i think those are all back together into one which, which have grown into giant a giant megaliths in their own right so yeah. i mean it wouldn't it wouldn't bother me if apple got broken up into a headphone company and a streaming music yeah. company and a portable device company and a phone company and a Macintosh sure. computer company that you know yeah. concentrated yeah. on making great Macs. The thing is, the integration is actually a really good feature for a whole lot of things, you know? Sure. sure. I mean, when you send me a text message, it pops up on my Apple Watch through through my iPhone, usually. Right. And there's that integration there that... Um, it's it seems with other companies you know like there's been smart watches that you can get text messages to but it seems like it's all a lot clunkier so yeah. if clunkiness well, is your thing <laughs> you know it, it, you know so many people have uh, for years described the apple universe as a walled garden uh it is a it is a it's a really nice place with a lot of pretty plantings but you're kind of um you're kind of trapped in it in a way you have to kind of play by the whole ecosystem's rules which has its own advantages and its own and its own drawbacks. Yeah. stuff tends to cost a lot more money um but stuff tends to work better than right 
a watch from company A and a desktop computer from company B and a tablet from company C and a phone company and a phone com- and a phone from company D. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think they're so big now and their pop products are so popular and so universally used by people, especially the people just want something that they can just do, you know, they can do email, web browsing, online shopping, uh, you know, Facebook or Instagram or whatever their social media is and, you know, texting people and just a handful of things. These aren't people that are software developers or, um, you know, architects or, or, or people that have really specific technological needs. Yeah. And their products just seem to work good. I, I think the, the walled garden is now inverse. I think Apple's outside the garden and all these other players are inside the walls trying to get out, you know, uh, with, with the numbers they have now. Yeah. Well, speaking of monopolies. Yes. Um, Let's not monopolize our time. <laughs> Facebook, uh, which is, of course, another company that is being accused of monopolistic behavior. And there's been talk of Facebook needing to divest itself of some of the wildly popular apps that are kind of under the Facebook umbrella. One of them, the Instagram photo sharing uh, site and the other being the WhatsApp messaging service. But that's not what is in the news today. What is in the news today is that a Facebook-appointed panel, the Facebook Oversight Board, which we can talk about in a minute, upheld Facebook's ban of former President Donald Trump, ending any immediate return from Mr. Trump to mainstream social media and renewing a debate about tech power over online speech. I'm reading here from a New York Times article that ran this afternoon. Facebook's oversight board, which acts as a quasi-court over the company's content decisions, ruled that the social network was right to bar Trump after the insurrection in Washington in January, saying he, quote, created an environment where a serious risk of violence was possible, unquote. The panel said the ongoing risk justified the move. However, back when Zuck booted Trump (laughs) last January, it was called an indefinite ban. And the oversight board kicked the case back to Facebook, saying that an indefinite suspension was not appropriate because it was not a penalty defined in policies, in Facebook's policies. Oh. The company should apply a standard punishment, such as either a time-bound suspension or a permanent ban. And the oversight board has given Facebook six months to make the uh, final call on, uh, on Trump's account status. So they threw it back to fa- they They upheld the ban as a board and threw it back in Facebook's lap. And said, you got six months to either make this uh, a time-limited one, a ban of 100 years, I think would be nice, um, or a permanent ban. Right, whichever comes sooner. <laughs> exactly. And having said that, I also need to add that that opinion is not is my own and not shared by the management or board of directors of Mendocino County Public right. Broadcasting. Right, and this is Point and Click Radio, which is a public affairs show here on Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, KZYXNZ, and the opinions of both of your hosts are strictly their own and not those of all the people that Jim just mentioned. <laughs> But this oversight board was a weird and interesting thing that I don't think I'd heard about before. They've been do- they've been busy at work. 
And it's like a weird quasi-court. It is some, uh, it's like two, it's, it's 20 people, about 20 people, academics, political leaders, activists, who are supposedly independent. And there's some journalists on there. There, There's some human rights activists. Uh, it's, they started it about a year ago. It's based in London. It's also international. Yeah. And the idea was for the public to have a way to appeal decisions by Facebook. And Zuckerberg, at the time when it was founded uh, back in 2018, he said that neither he nor the company wanted to have this final decision on speech, that this independent group, which is partly paid... Um, well, it's completely would, funded by Facebook. It's, it's funded by Facebook. Their decisions are not binding. Facebook can still do whatever it wants. It's not a court. It's not a court of law. So it's weird. Welcome to the 21st century where we have special courts that govern the actions of corporations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Paging uh, George Orwell. <laughs> yeah. Critics of the company argue the board is not truly independent and is a Facebook paid, Facebook appointed body created by Facebook to use to launder its most politically sensitive decisions. So they make ad hoc decisions over Facebook's ad hoc decisions. Exactly. And then like send them back being, to Facebook. It's like a kid being able to say, yeah, my mom made me do it. Right, mom made me do it. Or dad said I could do it. You know. Dad said it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, yeah. To, talk to your father. So, you know, within six months or so, we will know. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Trump has started a blog, which, who's, which uh, whose name and address I won't give out here. You no, can find it, it, it is a blog, although choice. they claim it's a communications platform, but it really is just a blog. It's basically, a, it's, it's, it's what he would put on Twitter had Twitter not banned him. Yes, exactly. Anyway, um, so that's in the news. We'll obviously be covering that. Facebook, and speaking of Facebook and Apple, the two companies that we've spent the last 15 minutes talking about, their little ongoing spat over advertising and tracking continues. And both companies kind of took it up a notch this last week with the shipment of iOS 14.5, the latest version of the operating system that drives the... Um, the Apple iPhones, and then iPad OS, which is the same, which d d uh, drives the iPad products. Both of those new operating systems have um, much stricter privacy uh, features in them, including a feature that lets you explicitly ask an app if an app is trying to track you when you go from website to website and place ads in front of you that relate to things that you've looked at. You have the option in those new operating systems to say, don't track me. Ask the app not to track me. And Facebook doesn't like that because that's where Facebook makes its money is on compiling data on you and me and selling it to advertisers. And so Facebook has built into the latest versions of the Facebook and Instagram apps. If you're using iOS 14.5, and the latest version, by the way, is 14.5.1. Yes. Those apps 
throw up a little message saying you're on iOS 14.5, you could elect to not be tracked. But if you do, you might have to pay for Facebook or Instagram someday, and you might be hurting businesses that are trying to make money by advertising to you. And you're hurting our feelings. And you're hurting. <laughs> and, and, you're, and, you're, and if you don't agree to be tracked, we're going to shoot this puppy. And, you, and you're not exactly. You're taking gas out of Mark Zuckerberg's super yacht. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. Yeah. So, and and you had that happen on your iPhone, didn't you? Did you didn't yeah, you get to have I, the message I, come up? I installed the update this morning. You, you sent me that article this morning, and I went and made sure I my phone was updated, and I went to Instagram, and sure enough, the 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 message came up. And then, of course, I after that, the Apple, the iOS message comes up saying, ask app not to track. And I chose that because I don't want to be tracked. Right. And, Jim, the thing about this is that most people think, well, I'm on Facebook. Of course, they're going to be tracking me. But these are much more um, devious uh, yeah. and surreptitious in, in the way they function. Because even after you leave the Facebook app or the Instagram app or uh, other apps that are associated with them. Even if you quit the app, they they follow you around your computer environment or your portable device environment and look at what other places you go to. And somehow they're able to, through their clever programming techniques, just get all kinds of information, information you wouldn't have necessarily even ever put up on Facebook or um you know, message somebody privately on Facebook or, or anything like that. So it isn't just simply seeing that, oh, you like to look at a lot of plants, so we're going to give you our ads for garden supplies. It's um, right. you're in your 20s, you're divorced, you're an art history major, you live in London, and you eat at this restaurant three times a week. Oh, yeah. And your mother calls you. A yeah. genuine dossier that reflects the activity that you conduct online. Um, and not just through Facebook, as you said, you don't even have to be a Facebook member to be tracked through Facebook's technologies yes. because they place this stuff on other websites that you probably use. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a great uh, there's a there's a there's a free um, nonprofit messaging app called Signal, and they published a great little study where they tried to run ads. You just told me about this, uh, the story that you heard on the way to the station. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they tried to place ads on Facebook that basically mined, tapped into the data that they know about you as a way of illustrating the kind of information that Facebook is collecting. And they published a blog. If you go to uh, if you go to signal.org, signal.org is where you can learn about the app and, uh, and, and read their blog. Signal.org slash blog. The blog post starts out with such a perfect little sentence that really just says it all. Companies like Facebook aren't building technology for you. They're building technology for your data. They collect everything they can from Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp in order to sell visibility into people and their lives. And um, it's a really interesting blog post. I encourage you to read it. Signal.org slash blog you can't miss it and um this new feature in this an new anti-tracking feature in ios and ipad os i think is a very welcome one uh, and it's not just facebook that's doing this of course google is also and a lot of other 
websites that all of us and apps that we use all the time. So if you're using the latest version of iOS or iPad OS, the 14.5 or later, don't be surprised if in the course of using your device, you will occasionally see one of these little messages pop up saying this app would like to be able to track you. And it gives you a uh, two options. One says, ask app to not track. And the other says, allow. I allow think. tracking. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing, Jim. Don't allow. <laughs> right. Yes. Don't allow. But Apple is very clear. This does not ban online advertising apple would never ban online means. advertising and they're not against online tracking or, or online advertising online too yeah exactly they want the ads to be honest ads and they don't want companies harvesting your data initially for advertising but think back to the um 2016 election and the whole cambridge analytica thing yeah that wasn't used for advertising that was used for political um, skullduggery, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is such a huge point that a lot of people, I think, miss where they say, well, you know, they're just showing me ads that they think I'm going to be interested in. You know, if I go to a lot of websites about model trains, then, hey, sure, of course I want to see website, I want to see ads about more model trains. I don't know if any of these signal ads ever ran, but but they're just, I mean, oh, here, they're great. here's one. You got this ad because you're a certified public accountant in an open relationship. This ad used your location to see you're in South Atlanta. You're into natural skincare, and you supported Cardi B since day one. <laughs> I don't know if they just made these up or if it was just a publicity stunt or if they actually got them out onto Facebook uh, users or Instagram users. No, Facebook uh, refused the ads, and they canceled their ad, oh. uh, their ability to place ads. Oh, really? So the blog post just lists kind of examples of the that ads. They say here are some examples of the targeted ads that you'll never see on again. Uh, that you'll never see. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I guess if you're an ad buyer, you can just scroll through uh, the the uh, the menu that Facebook has and look and and pick your targeting, pick your targets. Oh, you absolutely can. And, yeah, and can. then send the ads. You can send an ad to just a thousand people. You know, that drive BMWs and uh, eat pizza on Friday mornings <laughs> you know, exactly. or whatever. With a goth baristas as one of the targeters. That's probably more than a thousand, Joan. <laughs> hey, let's let's uh, let's go to the phones if we can. If people want to call in, uh, the indeed. Num the number is eight nine five two four four eight. Area code 707-895-2448. We have a few more news stories, but we want to hear from our listeners because we've been, uh, there's been so much to talk about in all these new products and, and the uh, controversies over the, our, our giant tech companies. Um, let's see. While we're waiting for a call to come in, I wanted to, to you were filling me in on the details about the Osborne effect. I, it just came up in my brain because... Um, Apple just released a bunch of new products using the newest version of what they call their M1 processor, the Apple Silicon. But they haven't come out with the M2, and they've been kind of hinting that there's going to be an M2 because they're releasing entry-level products, but they haven't updated their higher, more yeah. professional-level products. So what's the connection to Osborne there? Well, the Osborne effect is so named because of a, a long-defunct computer company called Osborne Computer Corporation. And they were one of the manufacturers of the very first, they called it a portable computer, but it was really about the size of a small suitcase. 
and it ran the CPM operating system and had a little five-inch uh, screen in it, CRT, a picture tube, and a couple of floppy drives. But it was a huge success because up to now, there, uh, up to then, you couldn't take a computer off of a desktop and you know and carry it around. There was no equivalent to a portable computer. There were no laptop computers at the time at all. So it was basically the really one of the world's first portables. And it was a big success. So much so that they decided to announce an upgraded model called the Osborne Executive. And at one of the big computer industry conventions of the day, Comdex, they unveiled the prototype of the Osborne Executive, and they said, this is going to be an amazing computer, transforming the world of, computer, of, of portable computers, and it'll be out in about a year. Well, I don't need to tell you what happened to sales of the original Osborne computer. Yes. And rule one of the computer industry then was what is called the uh, avoiding the Osborne effect. Yeah. Which is a little, actually a little bit more complicated. As it's more complicated. The company had other financial woes and things like that. But right, but this didn't don't help. Pre-announce a product, which also became known as vaporware. Right, right. Don't pre-announce a product when it's going to kill the sales of your existing product. Right. I guess even distributors of the Osborne One were sending them back and canceling their orders. So, I mean, the, the company really tanked at that point. Yeah. Now, I don't think that's going to affect Apple for people who are waiting for the M2s because the M1s, which are in the, uh, um, the MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro, and the um, uh, Mac Mini, and now the new 24-inch iMac... Right. There's that's the, that's a market strata of people who want to get the the least least expensive Mac that they can and just get on Absolutely. with their browsing and emailing and all that stuff. And those are great computers. But you and me, <laughs> we're looking at our next iMac. We'll want the M2 or whatever, or at least a 24 inch screen. If they had introduced a 24 inch M1 iMac, I would have placed my order on the day they became available. You mean 27? 27. 27. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, 27. Yeah, yeah. The one they did came out with uh, was a 24. Right. And, um, you know, I spend all day looking at a computer. And, in fact, two displays. I have two 27-inch displays in front of me right now. Right. And um, a 24-inch display is too small for all the windows and all the tabs and everything else that I have going at, the, at a given time. Sure. So... Um, even if they had just introduced a M1 iMac with a bigger screen, I yeah. would have, uh, I would have, I would have taken the plunge. There you go. But um, yeah, Apple, Apple is not going to fall victim to the Osborne effect because they have, a, they've, they're swimming in enough cash to buy us all a house on Mars. On Mars, on Mars, yes, and pay for the trip. Yeah, <laughs> and pay for the trip. Okay, we had somebody trying to call in, and uh, let's encourage callers tonight. Seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight to talk to Jim and Bob here on Point and Click. If you have a computer question, if you've called in recent weeks and followed our advice or or tried to solve a problem that we might have helped you with or didn't help you with, uh, we always or ignored our advice. Ignored, ignored our advice. Yeah, we always like to get some feedback and 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 hear how things are going. Um, so we covered Facebook, we covered a little bit of Apple News, we covered a little bit of lawsuits, and... Um, we didn't talk about the Apple TV, the new Apple TV. Oh, right. What's new about Which, 
which was introduced, the Apple TV 4K. This is Apple's little um, set-top box, some people will call it. It's a little streaming box that connects to your TV and lets you get everything from YouTube to Netflix to Apple's own programming, Apple TV+. Plus. Um, it play, you, there's a whole game arcade mode. There's apps for every imaginable, from every imaginable um, content provider, TV networks. Um, there's games. Games. There's uh, the there's sports, the major league, uh, the MLB app, and it's been around for several years in various different forms. And the model that they introduced two weeks ago is the first one that plays um, 4K video. Wow. So if you've got one of the latest ultra-high-definition 4K TVs, you can use the new Apple TV to take full advantage of it. It's got a faster processor in it, which isn't going to make your TV shows any better. But if you're into gaming on it, it will obviously make a big difference. Right. It's got some better um, audio features and... Um, and probably most significant to anybody who has experience with an Apple TV, it comes with a new and improved remote control. Yes. One that's uh, light-colored that you can actually see in a darkened room while you're watching TV. And one whose buttons are not exactly centered in a way that you can't always tell whether it's right side up or upside down until you have to go and look at it. Right. It's one of the most... It's, it's, it's the worst designed... Apple products since the hockey puck mouse. It, it of, is. Of, it of is. the late 90s. I've gotten used to mine, but they certainly had lots of room for improvement. Big time. Yeah. The new remote, called the Siri remote, because it uses Apple's, you can also talk to it and say, you know, turn on the closed captions and, you know, right. that sort of thing, or watch Dragnet or whatever you want to see. Hey, Jim, we have a call and I want to get to oh, the phones it. before it, it drops. So, hi, you're on the air. Hi, good evening. My name is Lawrence. I'm calling from Mendocino. Hey, Lawrence from Mendocino. I would, hi. I would like to address the conversation you had about the um, Facebook ad hoc regulatory committee. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really big deal and a big issue. You're dealing with a private corporation with an enormous amount of power that you'd like regulated. And on the other hand, there's huge free speech issues about whom they're regulating it for. Uh, I don't know that I want the government intervening. I don't know that there's some way to break up this monopoly power. But I think we need to raise the discussion to a higher level about how complicated and sophisticated this is and what's at stake here, uh, given how much power they have, and that this is a real hard decision to make about, let's say, about Trump, because there are huge yeah. free speech issues involved here. And it's not just going to be somebody like Trump is going to be the victim of it down the line. It's a, oh, that's true. It's a but, thorny issue. But, uh, but I will say that um, contrary to what uh, your comment and what many others have said, it's not necessarily a free, free speech issue in the First Amendment sense. Um, no one said, as a, as a, as a private company, um, whether that is Facebook or, you know, the open mic night at a local coffee house, a private entity has the ability to say, no, you can't say that here. Oh, I understand, of course. And that's why I said it's a free speech issue. It's not a First Amendment issue. But given yeah. the amount of social power that they have, they're sort of moving into an air. This is what makes it complex, is because yeah. they can, they are basically regulating a huge area of speech in the world. So it's not enough to take a legalistic point of view and say, oh, they're not a state institution, so there aren't any free speech issues involved. 
if you look at it from the other point, from a more progressive point of view, let's say it was regulated by the government and you had a real hostile uh, Republican administration who was putting a lid on all sorts of conversations coming from the left, we'd be screaming about free speech. So it is a free speech issue. It just doesn't rise to the constitutional level the way we think about it legally. But it's still a very complex issue, and I think it deserves to be addressed like that. NPR has been doing a good job about it, by the way. Oh, fo- following, following the Facebook issue? NPR I'm has? Sorry? NPR has been following the Facebook issue, this Facebook. Oh, yeah, very much so. And they've done a, a really, and they've discussed some of these complex issues, which you guys would not have discussed. But anyway, and, and, well, you're absolutely with right. show. thank you. All right. Thank thanks you. for calling. Thank you very much, Lawrence. Yes, thank you. Appreciate Honestly, it. Lawrence is absolutely right. This is not a, you know, a right uh, right side of the aisle or left side of the aisle issue um, because it goes to the access to this mag this this massive megaphone that people have now you know in in trump's case of course he was indefinitely banned and now for at least six months because of the genuine concern that there would be violence that his that they would have further ability to incite violence further violence further violence exactly yes yes in the wake of the uh of the of the january 6th insurrection and I'm I'm not really comfortable with this weird independent but yet paid for oversight board whose decisions are not ultimately binding anyway. Yet on the other hand, I don't really want government to get involved and in whether or not somebody can be on Facebook or not, because those winds could shift with every single change of, of an administration. So um, it is a hugely complicated, complex issue. And what I would ultimately hope is that people would maybe educate themselves a little more and not a believe everything that they read on services like these and b not use them maybe as much as they do well yes and um i don't know if you've ever heard of the political cartoonist mr fish his um Uh. His work was appearing on um, Robert Shear's uh, website a lot. I think it was it was called Truth Dig. I think at one point. Anyway, he's a really interesting guy, and he says that uh, the problem with um, social media is that it kind of fragments everything, and you can yeah. talk about what you had for breakfast, but you're not screaming that the planet is is getting ready to die. You know, you're sort of distracted from the overarching issues that we really all should be concerned about every day you know global warming and the uh different types of political systems that aren't taking care of all the people that they should be you know that that aren't being kind to everybody that they're responsible for is is really a, a couple of our biggest problems that we have but when you get in you know when you when you get in your social media stream you don't really see that and it even if somebody's trying to shout out about that, they wouldn't necessarily get through to you, you right. know. And right. and so it's changed a lot uh, of how people spend their time getting informed. And and I'll put quotes around the word informed because that's not informed. If you're getting just information from one silo, then you're not getting informed. 
Right. You're, hearing, you're, 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 you're hearing the echo chamber. You're hearing the echoes within the echo chamber. Within the echo chamber, yeah, yeah. And in a lot of cases, you know, like Trump being on Facebook, it's a much bigger megaphone for him than it is for you and me. So right. in a lot of cases, the, to quote somebody I heard today, this is, this is not the tail wagging the dog. This is the hair on the tail wagging the dog you know <laughs> it, it's 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 uh, amazing how that works but i think we're going to get it all sorted out and i think we're going to save the planet and i think we're going to be all going to be driving electric cars and i think we're going to go to the next phone call jim you are an optimist my friend i like it okay <laughs> hi you're on the air hi thanks for taking my call oh yeah I, uh i got a technical question instead here uh i've got this uh yeah uh, this is Mike up in uh, up in the Lost Coast here, uh, Northern listening audience. Uh, awesome. Basically, I have the microscope and uh, camera on it that I hooked up to my computer with a, a regular USB cable. Uh, my old MacBook Pro was working great with the software that it came with. Uh, however, my new uh, 2015 MacBook Pro does not have the CD drive, so I wasn't able to load the software. So upon going online, you know, to upload it, uh, it, I couldn't get it over in a proper way. I'd get all kinds of weird, you know, software code, and uh, the DMG files wouldn't come across. And tried a different uh, browser, and that helped. I finally did get some something over, but I never was able to get it to work. It never saw the camera. Do you have if- Do you have any other Macs in your house besides that new laptop? No. The, the old one uh, pretty much crapped out soon after I bought the new one. <laughs> can, can you get it up and running just long enough to, because one of the features that might work is that you can actually share out a CD over your wireless network. From, uh, yeah, from some other CD driver. From yeah, so I'm that has thinking one. that might be the way I have to do, go over to somebody else's house with, that has a CD driver and Yes, you could move it around on a, or put go to somebody else's house and put it on a USB stick and bring that back. Or yeah, that was one of my ideas. The most expensive yeah, solution would be to buy Apple's external USB CD player because that'll work. Oh, right, and that's the, and that's hoping I, that it's just the software issue and not some other setting that I have on this computer that's not seeing the camera for some other reason. Uh, yeah, there's, you know, that's, I mean, that's potentially thornier issue, there, whether or not you need a driver or something like that, or whether the software, I mean, if the, so you, now, uh, clarify, did you, you were, you were able to successfully install the older software that we're using on your new, on your new laptop? Or not. At one point, I got the software running, you know, however, they had so many versions on their website, and only one of them actually came across, And uh, but it would not, it would be on the computer, but it wouldn't see the camera. So then, you know, talking to their techs, I don't think they were very savvy on the, on, on the computer itself, but they, they couldn't figure out what was wrong. They said, well, maybe it's the camera itself. But uh, there's no re- reason it would have died That's, just, you know, because I got a new computer. Yeah. And it was working fine. Do, do, are you able to tell from their website how how well maintained the um, the apps are that drive the camera? Uh, you know, I think the last one was 2016 or 2019. They might have had a 21 version, but it didn't, you know. You know, I couldn't, the one they sent to me didn't open either. 
So here's another you know. here's another alternative that I just thought of. You know the uh, the Adobe Lightroom software, which is a really wonderful, powerful you know photo management and photo enhancing uh, piece of software. Supports something called tethered shooting, where you are allowed to you're you're able to see you know on the computer screen you're able to see whatever your computer is seeing, and then you tap right. on the in Lightroom and it and it snaps the photo, which I'm guessing is kind of what your previous software was doing the same thing. Yeah, um, you know, I've a, got all the Adobe CS6 suite here. I mean, there's must be 12 of them, but I don't see that one. Well, you know, uh, Photoshop a, Photoshop will let you hook up a scanner and scan directly into Photoshop. So, but, but, but we don't. Yeah, but how do I get it to of, the scanner? Well, or, no, no, the the camera, the camera would be the scanner. Oh, yeah, my point. My point of the suggestion was that there's a free trial version, a 30-day trial version of Lightroom, that you can download from Adobe's website, and you could download that free trial version, see if it is working, and then if it is working, then you know just like that you've eliminated yeah. variables like your camera, the cable, the USB port on your new computer, and right. you can at least. Eliminate those variables. If you ultimately, if you decide you really like it, you can pay ten dollars a month for for uh, for Lightroom and Photoshop. Um, that may be more than you want to do, but you'd have that option as well. Then beyond that, there's there's got to be other tethered shooting uh, software. Uh, well, what know, about Photo Booth? Photo Booth, no, that uses the um, built built-in camera. Yeah, that, and these guys were trying to tell me, yeah, you could use photo booths, and I'm like, ah, it doesn't work. <laughs> no, I don't think it would. Um, what kind of camera? What kind of camera do you have? It's uh, it's it's it came with the scope. It's an AM scope, you know, MU30, you know, just digital camera. But is it, is it a digital microscope? It's a digital microscope camera. Yeah. It's camera built for the microscope. You know, that just sits as a third eye, straight down. Okay, and it, it it connects by USB, and it was working yep. before on your older Mac, and it won't work on the new one. Right, because I can't get the software working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The but you know, there's another, there's another alternative. I mean, Bob kind of jokingly said you could buy the Super Drive, but there are also um, DVD and CD drives that are a lot cheaper than uh, the, the Apple Super Drive. The, Apple's is once like about uh, seventy five bucks or so for you, the Super Drive. You can get them for twenty bucks, I think. There's a t I'm looking at a $26 one on the on uh, Jeff, Be Jeff Bezos's little general store that uh <laughs> right. So, you know, that it's it's never I I always feel like it's never a bad idea to have a burner um that you can connect to a laptop or a desktop machine because it gives you the ability to burn a CD. Maybe you want to yeah. make a backup and all that. So, that could be money well spent in any case, a nice addition to your system. And you can always use then use that to try to install the software from the CD that you have. Right. Well, it sounds like I've got a couple of options here. It's just uh, seeing if something, you know, I was hoping, who knows, maybe there is some setting that I did, some privacy setting that is keeping it from, you know, seeing it. Well, one thing you can do is go into the, um, what's it called, Jim? Not the... Um 
There's an activity monitor and a system. Oh, if you go to the Apple menu and do, you do about this Mac, and then what's the button? More info or something? It brings up the one that analyzes. There's a there's a feature in the system uh, system uh. program that will let you see what is connected to your USB ports. And every single device, like like your microscope camera, has like an identifier that that tells the device it's connecting to, the computer connecting to what it is. Even if it's a little True. thumb drive, it'll say, you know, SanDisk 64 gigabyte thumb drive is in USB port number three or something like that. If it's showing up, then you've got a working device that is just not connecting to the software it needs to talk to. Right. There's the hard, I guess I get to the hardware overview here. Uh, it might be on that section, huh? I think so. Wire, uh, yeah, PCI. I know that the uh, ports are working because I've used them with other things. There's a, one port on each side of this. Right, but laptop. this is is the device itself actually talking. Right, and, right, and you, you know I've tried different cables to make sure that the cable it wasn't the cable. So yeah, yeah, unknown though because I can't get anything to see it yet. Yeah. Okay. I kind of have to wonder if there might be a driver issue there too. That the driver, that the uh, that the computer needs a driver to be able to see that. Um, it, it does. Well, I think those specialized apps are the drivers themselves. They have the driver built right. in, um, right. and the um, their whole job is to connect to the device on the USB port. Yeah. And so far, I haven't been able to get theirs to work. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a document cam that I use a lot of times to um, scan recipes out of cookbooks. You know, it's like a um, copy cam that you know that you can set down a book and hover the lens over it, and it connects by USB, and it has its own dedicated app that'll snap the you know the pictures and accumulate them, and then you can make them into a PDF or whatever, and right. that that works in the same way. Uh, but it needs yeah. to have that that um, manufacturer provided software to be working correctly. Yeah, we got another call. Good luck right, with thanks. that. Yeah, good luck. All keep right. us keep yeah, us posted. Let us know show. if you uh, if you if you iron it out. Thanks. All right, we'll do. Bye bye. Hi, you're on the air on Point and Click. Hello. Hi. Yes, you're on the air. KZYX. Yes, you are on the air. Oh, thank you so much. I have a quick question. Last week you talked about the, um, the um, oh, God, uh, Tesla, I can't think of Elon Musk. Um, Starlink. Uh, Starlink. Starlink, right. And I had signed up for it, and I have a question. You mentioned that you've seen them in fields, you know, 100 feet away. Could um, you put it on the side of a roof um, that faces north? Would that be all right to do, too? Absolutely. Yeah, you can mount it anywhere where right. you can mount it securely, obviously. Um, it comes with about 150 feet of cable. Okay. So it's got to be about 100, 100, 100 to 150 feet away from your house or wherever you want to, want to actually use it. Uh, then there is, it comes with a kind of little tripod that you mm -hmm. can attach that tripod to a roof or some other... Um, horizontal or gently sloped surface. Great.
they also sell a bunch of other, uh, a few other mounts um, that you can like mount, uh, you know, attach to the side of a house, for example, uh, or to the ridge of a house. They have a mount called the volcano mount that goes on a, a on a pointed ridge of a house. Oh, so um, um, Starlink makes those mount uh, adapters available. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. That's great news. Great. So, and the, my internet connection would be inside probably 10 feet away. Is that okay? Well, that's going to take 10 feet of your cable. <laughs> yeah, you'll have, you'll, have, you'll have a lot of extra cable. I, yeah, I mean, right. yeah, you, you know, after mounting the dish on the roof or wherever you end up putting it, then the cable obviously has to go into your house. And Starlink, they have for a little $25 kit that they sell separately if you don't have the tools. And it includes a, like a foot-long drill bit and a cool little tool that you can thread the Ethernet cable through the house. And a couple of grommets that you can put on each end and even some SpaceX branded silicone sealer. Oh, my God. <laughs> a little toothpaste tube of sealer that you can use to kind of put around the little grommets so that water doesn't get in your house and all that. Yes. And then, Thank then you. There's a little I, I, I still appreciate because, um, you know, they just sell you, and there's no way to know the, how exactly it works, and, and you've been so helpful. Thank you. Just, just make be sure that you mount it with, where it has a very nice, clear view to the north because uh, any obstructions oh. will cause a problem. Jim, tell her about the app that you can get to detect your connection. Yeah, there's a the free Starlink app, which you can do for an iPhone or a Android phone. Uh, you can download a free Starlink app that uses the camera on the phone to let you kind of look around your yard and find a spot that is free of obstructions. It's a really great and important first step. Well, I'm on the Lost Coast, and I have no uh, Internet access at all. Wow. Well, this will help. And just if you do get it, just be careful. Don't drill through a water pipe. <laughs> Don't do that. Exactly. Yeah, there's no. just nothing out here except uh, sure. Usenet, and that's to the okay. other side, the east. Um, so. Thanks. We have another call. Yeah, good luck. If you get it, let us know. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Well, I've got this crazy problem with my email program. Is your radio on? I'm turning it all the way down see uh, okay can you hear it now no no, no but we're on delay okay. we're on delay so it's a little <laughs> yeah okay weird. anyway um so it's thunderbird and i know you probably told me i should get rid of that but i i'm kind of been hanging in there but in the last three days it just loads to today it said loading um number seven out of 4,001 messages. Okay, the day before, it said a loading such and such out of 5,208 messages. And then the day before, out of some astronomical number like that. And it's not doing that. I mean, there aren't, there aren't more messages. And I, when I go through to see if any are double, go way back and see if there there are double messages like two exact ones there aren't they aren't that isn't happening but it just keeps doing that and and then i can't do anything while it's doing that because it keeps saying mozilla thunderbird not responding well if it's trying to download four thousand messages it's going to be busy for a while well yeah. where is it getting those and it's not doing it 
sometimes mail servers get screwed up, to put it bluntly. It could actually be a problem with your Internet provider where, I mean, it sounds like, and Bob, correct me, or let me know if you agree, it sounds like a, you know, a, um, a, an IMAP email issue where the server doesn't think that it's downloaded all of the email in her account, so it's trying every single time she connects to, to download it. I think so. Do you have Do you have any other means to get into your? Uh, oh, who's the email provider that you're using Thunderbird to access? Um, Pacific Internet. Do you have like a, a a phone, a smartphone that you can use to connect to the Pacific Internet? I've had I have Pacific Internet too, and I've also had those problems. I've had one time. Oh, you have. I had I've had one time when they just had to download. Um, a couple thousand messages that I had already read, and I got duplicates, you know, and I had to go clean them all out. Um, what about a, what about a, a web interface, Bob? No, isn't Thunderbird a web interface? No, it's an app. It's okay. A, I mean, oh, it's, yeah. It's a, it's a client. It's a client. That's right. Um, you could go onto Pacific Internet's uh, web interface and try to get into your mail and look at what it displays in terms of your uh, message count and so forth. That, that might be one way to check it out. Yeah. Okay, and then what? Well, if you've got thousands of messages in there um, that you um, are showing up in Thunderbird and you don't want them, delete them through the web interface and then they won't show up in Thunderbird. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to do that, and that's very te tedious because on Thunderbird, I can click on correspondence, and then I will get all the mail from, like, Alternet or something. I click on the first one and the last one, and then hit delete, and it can wipe been, out, you know, a hundred at a time. But have you I, been in touch with? Have you been in touch with Pacific Internet? I would reach out to them. Yes, they're no help. I've emailed them. First, I used to call them, and they're not. They don't like that. And then I emailed them, and oh no, nothing you can do. Blah blah. And uh, we can't help you because it's Thunderbird. Well, uh, they may have a point there. You know, I don't think they they're able to support every single mail client out there. But um, you really should find an alternate method to go in and inspect your system. And then one of the things you can do, um, I use the older version. They have an old version and a new version of the webmail client, and I use the old one. And there's a, a button up at the top of the message window that's that says toggle all. Yes. And yes. if you search for email from a particular address, like if you want to get rid of all your emails from, say, Amazon.com, search for yes. Amazon.com as the sender. They'll all come in. You hit toggle all, and then you hit delete, and then they're wiped off the server. They're gone. Actually, that's not true. It moves them into the trash. Then you have to empty the trash. Yeah. So I wonder if Thunderbird isn't emptying out your trash. Uh, well, I keep telling it to. Have, and you, have you looked? Um, let's see if there's anything in. And I have to sit here and wait and wait and wait. So while I'm waiting to be able to click on trash, um, let's see. Okay, now I can click on trash. Now it sounded 2,732 that it's trying to download. Okay. But yeah, there's, problem, you've got some sort of an issue with Thunderbird. There, there might be an issue, uh, an ability to, like, rebuild its database. 
Um, but I think that's the kind of direction that you need to chase down. I, you know, there's there's no reason why it shouldn't be working with Pacific Internet. Um, yeah. It's just a standard email client. Um, a lot of people aren't that fond of it these days. Its popularity has really waned lately. What the web the web interface? No, Thunderbird. Oh, using Thunderbird, yeah. Yeah. But so it should work with Pacific Internet just fine. My guess is that yeah. you've got some kind of corruption in the database. Well, that's what I was wondering because I've heard of you know things getting corrupted. So what do you do when that happens? Well, that would be their their issue. They they need to rebuild your database on the server. I believe that would be the way to do if it. If you if you if you go to the search engine of your choice and do a search for Thunderbird database repair thunderbird database oh. repair that's it we'll get some advice speaking of thunder that's our cue that we have to go we gotta go <laughs> thanks for the call bye-bye good luck yeah that's that's really sticky when you have a, a server issue on an imap mail service yeah it can get messed up you know and sometimes sometimes they have to restart the server and the server loses its memory or its cookies or whatever and thinks you've never read any of your emails so exactly that can happen yeah well folks jim and i have burned up another hour of your time we hope you enjoyed the show we'll be back in two weeks indeed looking forward to it we'll have more computer news more q a more news about Facebook and other monopolies. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, interesting thing about Facebook, though. Um, I was hearing one comment. Twitter, Twitter has slightly different rules, and even though they banned Trump, their policy is if it's a very important world leader, they they don't they don't get in their way of using oh, yeah. the platform. Oh, there were there were many calls for Trump to be banned before January sixth. Oh yeah, yeah. Since it, it wasn't the that that was really the the, the, the straw that broke the uh, broke the broke the Twitter's back. Yeah, any of us can be banned if we violate the company's terms of service. That's, That's right. right there when you click on I agree. Exactly. Okay, Jim. I agree to see you in two weeks. See you then, Bob. Good night, everybody. Do Good night. not track. Do not track. We'll see you in two weeks. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.